0: Zach joins me on the porch here for a little uh, little, little COVID, um, COVID pause episode here. Talking Mountaineer hoops for about the first 32 minutes or so. Uh, we dive into some national championship conversation about Bama and why they're so good. Playoff kind of expansion as well. Um, before we kind of start hitting on the NFL there at the end and kind of um, how we think urban... Uh, going to the Jags and solid to the Jets will play out, uh, and then finally, kind of at the backside, think about who who we might think might uh, be advancing one to that uh, championship weekend there in the uh, in the Shield. So you guys know what to do if it's in the morning, grab the coffee, fill stuff. If it's in the evening, grab the drink, come on back because we are getting into all things Mountaineer hoops, the Shield, and then uh, a little playoff conversation here on the porch thanks what's going on there zach howdy howdy how's it going You're on, buddy? The road, on the road there buddy
1: sounds like uh hanging in there man
0: yeah are, out about yeah? trying
2: to trying to make a living out here but i couldn't pot on the road
1: yeah I'm, I'm actually uh i'm actually outside for the first time in what feels like couple months here doing this thing on the out actually on the porch itself buddy so it's it's nice to uh see see the sun i didn't know you know haven't seen the sun in three damn days right like the song says so it's uh it's good it's good to see it um maybe also be nice to see uh mountaineers get to play a basketball game again but we're gonna have to uh we're gonna have to wait on that it looks like yeah unfortunately i'm uh I'm starting to get a little yeah, bit of withdrawals. it with less you than that. A week, you but know, I'm still it's, not it's, feeling It's too hot. crazy too when you think about it because we we come from this euphoric high of uh, of winning on the Monday night and big Monday down there in Stillwater. You take a whole week off, you lose a buzzer beater, tough game. Then you get the news, you know, that we're not playing Baylor. And then, you know, a day a day or two later you get the news well, you're not only not only playing Baylor. Which to some extent was maybe a, a bit of a break for us. You're not now. You're also not going to get to play TCU and Oklahoma State at home. Um, tough, tough comeuppance here right now for for the Mountaineer basketball team. But I think there are things that we can kind of um, we can maybe take some positives out of this break slash pause uh, for the team. Do you have any in particular you can think of?
2: Well, one that comes to mind right off the bat is just having more time, hopefully, depending on if any players were involved in that COVID issue, giving them a little more time to, you know, gel mm-hmm. without Oscar, without Cottrell. Just, I mean, when, when those guys are gone, we've talked about it. They're not the same team. They're going to have to scheme differently, play differently, assume different roles for quite a few of them. So as long as there were no players that were out with COVID – and it was coaching staff, I'm not sure if you know nah, anything. I mean specific it's been pretty tight.
1: Tight uh but. like Fort Knox up there in terms of what's actually occurred due to COVID. And good thing. Hip is hip is a thing for a reason. <laughs> um so I you know, and honestly right. too, I mean, I know that they've they've been able it's I've heard that it has not been a total pause. Um it's not like the facility's been shut down but we don't really know any uh, anything other than that. And you know what, I, I like the fact that we're a program that things aren't getting just blown out there in the wind for everybody and their brother to know about.
2: I agree with that. I think that some of these kids will have to, well, anybody who gets COVID has to deal with it one way or another, but these kids that are big time college athletes, they shouldn't have to deal with their stuff being put out there for everybody to see. So I'm I'm glad. Absolutely. And you know, what? speaking
1: of tight to the chest sack, I wish we'd play a little more tight to the chest defense. I went back here today kind of watch some of that Texas game again, God, man, we cannot stop the ball. Um, I know that's been something we've talked about all year, and it, it just seems to keep running its head. But, I mean, it, it was unbelievable to me how much in the second half it felt like Ramey and Coleman just decided to put their head down and run right at the rim, and we didn't stop them at all.
2: To their credit, they are two of the best guards in the Big 12. But even still, yeah. I mean, they did it at will. They were just, like you said, putting their head down and I mean, it, flying it, right by It looked like an
1: old-school UConn team, essentially. It, like, when UConn had those guards back in the day, they would just – it wasn't even like they ran an offense. They just would say, we're going to go downhill, and we're going to get after it. Now, granted, Texas didn't make shots the way they have uh, sandwiched around our game, which I thought helped us out. Uh, but they made they made the few big ones they needed to make, especially old Andrew Jones. Um Man, you love his story. You hate that it happened against us. And what a
2: coincidence
1: that it was, what was it, two years of the day that he was yeah, diagnosed with three
2: years or something? Yeah, it was the yeah, anniversary. I anniversary. It was three,
1: uh, which would be even more fitting considering the fact that he drilled the three. So, you know, oh, tough, man. It, know. It, it's, it's funny, too, because, Zach, I watched that last play. And I, let me get your opinion on this real quick, because I don't want to dwell too much on the Texas game. I mean uh, – Cause in reality it's over now. So it's, it's a, it's a week past. It's kind of time to kind of move, move on and, and uh, you know, continue to grow with the team that we have. But that last sequence there, when he's got the ball, he's running at the rim essentially after the missed free throw, there's 10 seconds. Why was there not any for helping? But I've seen many a times this year. I mean, Emmett was there. Culver was there. Has let him get by him. What is, what exactly, why was Deuce so far sucked in underneath that rim there instead of be protecting on that outside shot there for Jones? Just natural and it just happens and we know it happens and it just, it sucks, but that's the game. Or was it that something he should have been more cognizant of in the moment?
2: It's kind of hard to say. I mean, with such little time left to go, you're trying to protect the ball from going in the hoop and Ramey had the ball. He was cutting right toward the hoop with seconds yep. dwindling away. And everybody sucked into him, as you would expect, to try and stop that last second shot. And somehow, that was one of the better yeah. passes I've seen in a while. Somehow he threaded the needle out of It was of a great zones, pass. And it was just yeah. catch and shoot. It was, it was a perfect play on his part. Emmett, you know, Emmett could have had a finger on that just as easily as it got completed to Jones, but it just didn't go that way. He just threaded the needle, man, and it was unfortunate that he sunk
1: the shot. But he yeah, got to live that's with a it. true point. I mean, it, it's funny too how you look at that last last sequence of the game and how many other things could have went differently for us mm-hmm. to win that thing. I look at it too, Zach. I mean, the last we only scored thirteen points in the last eight minutes and forty five seconds. I mean, granted, we played great defense on Texas, which I think is a a thing moving forward that I think we've got to look at and say, you know, maybe we're, I mean, granted I did just sit here and bitched about not being able to stop the ball, but yet it wasn't like Texas was lighting it up in the last nine minutes either. I mean, we, we're, we're, I think we're getting better on the defensive end as we continue to move, but it's just little things, you know, you're up, you're up five with a minute 40. Culver misses a free throw in front of a one-on-one at one-oh-five. I think he might've got even away. We kind of got a little fortune on that because he kind of did his little spin move and the ball came out. They call a foul, but I mean, it was a, Touch-and-go call, yeah. um, but you don't capitalize on that. And then, you know, they come down, make a shot, obviously. The fact that Emmett, though, passes the ball back out with 30 seconds to go, Zach, off the first offensive rebound, I think kills me. Because it's like, why didn't you do the same thing again? Granted, it's so reactionary for him at that point in time. You know, you hear from the moment you started playing and biddy ball, go up strong, go up strong, right, when you get an to rebound. Granted, back in the – you know, when you're playing at that level, you're not thinking about kicking it out for threes, um, which I might tell people to do that now, you know, especially the way the game is being played. But it's just one of those things where if he's able to kick that out, how many seconds do you think really go off the clock? Is it a situation where, at least in my mind, Zach, I think I'd rather have Deuce shooting those free throws than Emmett. Granted, emmett has been a great free throw shooter this year. But I just – it was just a, kind of the herky-jerkiness of that, that last sequence there, and um, the bench obviously went crazy. I've heard some people say Emmett kind of – he let the bench get in his head um, there at the end. Um, I mean, what's, what's your kind of your, your synopsis, your thoughts on that, on that sequence that led up to what we just talked about with Jones drilling the three?
2: Well, when I was watching, the first thought was when Emmett got the rebound, I would have preferred him to just mm-hmm. hold it, get fouled. Because, I mean, he would have been swarmed immediately. If not that, pass it out to Deuce, like you said, because he's the guy you want with the ball in his hands. And he was wide open, too. Granted, For- right. Granted, percentage wise, Deuce isn't even top three on the team in free throw percentage, I, think I don't Taz believe. And is
1: higher, and Emmett, um, Sean McNeil. Sean yeah. and Emmett both. Yep.
2: So the fact that Emmett went to the line didn't bother me. Obviously, him missing the two free throws bothered me. But what bothered me is the fact that he went back up with the shot. And obviously, he knows and probably knew as soon as it happened. Besides the fact the coaches like were screaming at him, what was I thinking? He knew right there after that he shouldn't have gone up for that shot. That was a yep. mental error. I think he got in his head. One he to learn his head a little bit on the free throws. I think you're right. I thought the same thing when I saw it happen live, and it's unfortunate, but it's it's part of it. You have to have some mental fortitude in that yep. situation, even if your coaches aren't yelling and screaming at you right before two crucial free throws. Make that make that but, shot you got to put your big boy pants on and knock a couple crucial ones down. And you think about the fact that if he makes both of those, the three-point game completely changes, the, changes oh. the complexion of Texas' last possession because at that point, you're just trying to keep him from yep. shooting a three, which is exactly what they yep. got at the end. So, I
1: mean, instead of the overhelp, we're going to be out there on the line. We'll let him have that two all day. And then right. you know who knows what might have happened. Um, I mean, you know, we know Hugs has not never been a big guy on fouling um, up three. You know, we we know that's probably not going to be something that happens. But like you said, it, it definitely changed the complexion of how we went about that last that last sequence there. Um, Zach, you know, I mean, and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll say this real quick, too. I mean, how close was that shot on Deuces before Emmett gets the rebound? It went in and out. I mean, it touched every bit of the rim. I mean, I I mean it was down for a minute, and then it popped back out. Um, you know, unfortunate, obviously. And, and and like we said, we you have to grow from it and learn from it. But I want to tell you this story real quick, Zach. So, I'm at a wedding on Saturday, and we're kind of going in and out of being able to watch. And, you know, a great day. But I'm standing there um, with the – with the, you know, with with the, with the, um, with an older gentleman. We're up there in the reception area. I'm getting a, getting a cup of ice and a Coke because we're going to have a couple of Woodfords down there. It was about still 40 minutes before the ceremony. And he said, oh, Are you watching the game? I said, Yes, sir, I am. I said, Well, let, here, you take my phone. You can watch it, right? This is right when Emmett's getting to the line. So he's like, Oh, why'd he do that? And I'm like, Oh, it's okay. He'll make two. And then they make the shot. Zach, I've, I've never seen a, just the more, the eyes and the lights went out of both of us. At the same time, probably 55 years worth of difference in age, and it was just like, holy shit. And then later on, my buddy Tom, who was uh, the, um, you know, the groom in in the in, in getting married that day, said, man, this has been a great day, but, man, if we could have hold on to that basketball game. So it's just funny how West Virginia sports can kind of just always bring everybody together, even in on situations like that. And it was still an amazing day, but it's just funny how later on after, you know, it was all said and done. He still said, "Man, if we could have won that game, it would have been the icing on the cake." And it's it's funny how that is, you know. Oh yeah,
2: would have made would have made his special day even more
1: special, yeah. right? Yeah, you know. Well, he'd already he was already married too. This was a ceremonial type thing. He got married a few days before at the uh, virtually, I think, at his house with his with his family in attendance. So. At least, it, at least it wasn't the sour note to the to the uh, the day of the day. I mean, it was still the ceremony and being there with everybody else. But it, you know, like you said, would have made it maybe just a tad bit more special. Um, but a tough, t- tough one, tough one to take for sure. Um, you know, but I mean, I think in certain respects, this pause is good for us be- coming off of that too, right? Because if you had to go play Baylor, what less than seventy two hours after taking that loss, that would have been real tough. Yeah, on the road, no less. Mm-hmm. That would have been a tough hurdle to overcome. And, you know, I mean, because, I mean, Baylor is, for my money, Baylor's in the top probably three teams in the country, without doubt. Uh, i I, 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 probably go, I probably go Michigan, Baylor, Gonzaga, and in that order, I think. Michigan's playing hot. Michigan, I, I think Michigan, Zach, and, you know, we're getting off WVU topic here for a minute, but I think Michigan's the best team in the country. That Dickinson kick can play well. Their guards are good. They shoot well. They defend well. Jawan Howard's got those guys playing great, and they're beating good competition for the most part game in and game out in the Big Ten. It's very much similar to the way we see in the Big East – or excuse me, Big East, uh, the Big 12. Still liking it back to those Big East days where it was tough. But I think the difference between the Big Ten uh, now and the Big 12 is that the Big Ten has some of those kind of lesser-than teams like the Big East used to have. Yeah, you have the behemoths at the top. But there is a soft little underbelly there at the vi- like. There's a couple nights off, you know. Big 12, there's really no nights off. I mean, Kansas State might be the one team you would say that might have, might not be, um, might might be a night off. You know, I mean, at least Fort Hayes uh, State thought so. <laughs> we're never gonna we're never gonna stop giving them shit about that, are we? No, no, we're not either. And, until until they until we play them on the 23rd and then they beat us somehow. If that happens, <laughs> then, then we'll become the new four-hate stays or four-hate well, state, you know, team. Um, I am glad that's our first opponent, though, coming back off this break. I think that's a nice thing to be able to maybe get yourself relaxed and get back into action playing those guys as opposed to playing maybe, you know, uh, Baylor or even TCU and Oklahoma State. I, wouldn't, I wasn't necessarily thrilled if we'd had to play Oklahoma State a week later after not being able to play because of how good those guys are. But glad it's Kansas State here on the 23rd. Hopefully, if all things go well, you know, cross, you know, uh, cross your fingers and knock on all the wood you can. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I like the fact we're playing Kansas State, the Purple Cats coming off of uh, – coming out of that for sure. I think that's the team, if you had to hand pick one in the conference
2: to play after a long layoff and after, you know, call it what it is, a heartbreaker against Texas, I think they're the team you'd want to play.
1: Yeah, without doubt. Um I mean, obviously a lot of questions on how the schedule might kind of unfold Um, for us now down the stretch. I mean, there's three games that are gone. Luckily for us, we've already got hit the threshold of games you have to get to get in the tournament this year. So I don't think that's necessarily something we need to be worried about. And I also think, you know, everyone kind of with the the sky is falling type mentality needs to slow down a little bit because let's let's be honest about this real quick. Even without Oscar, um, we played an amazing – game there against texas a team that's ranked number four a team that granted gave it away against texas tech a few nights later which kind of hurts your soul a little bit knowing that the way that went down Ugh. but it shows that you're still a team that can really really compete and can definitely make a run in this thing in march um you know because i, I look at it and say, i mean if, if you're playing that well and that competitive against that team and you know we didn't shoot the ball all that well in that game we're going to be all right and be going to be able to do the same things against just about everybody in the country. I think so. I think that we're still a team that could be competitive at the top, and
2: you know, look no further than the Texas game. That's a game that we gave away, in my opinion. I think that. Yep. You know, they obviously didn't shoot their best against us, but we allowed them to take shots at the basket that are just unacceptable. They got right by us time and time again. When you're allowed to get that many points in the paint. You're going to have a hard time losing games like that if you're Texas, even if you're not shooting well from the outside mm-hmm. and you know miss time or untimely turnovers, untimely missed free throws at the end. We gave that game away, so we are yeah. still capable of winning at that level. Not to say that Texas is one of you know the best team in the nation, but they are one of the best teams for sure, and they've been playing like. I that. mean,
1: they're without question, they're a top ten team. Yeah, uh, without without a doubt, I think that I think into some respect too. We had our one game there against Oklahoma when we were really stunned off the loss of Oscar. And then we kind of figured out, okay, this is how we're going to have to do it in the second half. We found a way to win Oklahoma State, had a week off, play a great Texas team, maybe shoulda, coulda, woulda, couldn't get it done. Now you got to wait almost two weeks before you play again. Um, I mean, in certain respects, it kind of gives us some time to kind of get back, get off it. I do want to say, make one quick – and we talked about Oscar a couple of times here real quick. Did you, Zach, see the comment that he made – which I felt was very intriguing to me, talking about why he was going to Kentucky. Did you read those quotes?
2: Tell me which one you're talking about, but I have a I have a feeling I know which one in particular you're talking about.
1: The player first yep. approach. I'm going to tell you this right now, and I don't mean to say it in the wrong way. I want a kid. To, I want the kid to do as well as he can. He's a kid. He may you know he decided to make his decision. That's utter bullshit. Yeah. And maybe that's why Kentucky, with all the talent Calipari's had over the past twenty years or however long he's been there now in Lexington, Kentucky, only has one national championship. Maybe because it's two player player friendly. Maybe that's why they're right now where they're at this year. That's a joke to me personally. Absolutely. It's to say that it's about the team, not the not the player. You know, and, and if that's the way Oscar is, then I'm glad his ass is the hell out of it. For sure.
2: And beyond that, Huggins may not be but he loves his guys unquestionably. Unconditionally, and even in Oscar, I'm certain that Huggins is pissed about the situation, but he still has love for that kid because he loves every kid that he has on the team. That is unquestioned.
1: Yep. So that's it's it's a tough love. You know, real bullshit. But you know what though? I kind of like the um the kind of there's been a couple times that I feel like Hugs has kind of underhandedly took a shot at Oscar here and there over the last couple weeks. Um talking about Cottrell's rehab saying man that kid wants to play for this state Yep. you know he wants in Culver and I'm wondering here Zach and this is reading tea leaves this is just kind of a, an opinion I don't know one way or the other about it you saw some other guys wishing Oscar well right Yeah. did you notice Derek did you notice a voice that was pretty silent during that whole process I was
2: intentionally keeping an eye on stuff like that on social media particularly what Derek had to say and I didn't see yep. one thing a positive see one thing. Oscar
1: not one I didn't either. I don't think those dudes like each other at They're all. No love lost. I think, Col- I think Culver was a guy who came in there and had to work and grind for everything he was given, had talent, but had to bust his ass. And Oscar was not that same way. And you notice he said all the guys that are in this room now give 110%, yeah, right? right? It was Culver. Culver has, I think he's, I think there's a mission on his behalf now too. To kind of be that guy, and you look even the game against Texas, right? I know at one point in time there in the second half, he had 12 and 12, um, you know, with about 15 minutes to play. I, I'm trying to remember exactly what he finished. years back. but I mean 14. Okay, so I mean it's it's I mean when you look at him, I mean, he had the 20 and 20 game. He had another great game there against Oklahoma, uh, you know, or not the Oklahoma game was the game he did not yep. do well in. But the two two of the three since he's been an absolute man child. Hopefully he continues those that, that going because if the shooting is okay, we can still pull this thing off. I think that's another thing, too, I looked at from the game against Texas, Zach, is the fact that at one point in time in the first half, we were four or five from three. We finished nine of 20. So we finished the game essentially five of 20 from the three-point line uh, in the probably the last 30-ish minutes of the game, and that's going to be tough to overcome. And it doesn't help when Bridges is in foul trouble for a second game in a row because – we
2: need him out there. We True. have to have him out True. there not only for three-point shooting but for rebounding. We have to have as much length out there as we can get now that Oscar's gone, and he's a big component to that. He's a big factor, and he's going to have to learn, again, first-year playing basketball since senior year of high school.
1: He's going to have level to learn. Two. first year on that level playing basketball like that. Learn those types of things oh, like yeah. you said, that I, I think we've kind of lost him there for a minute or I've lost
2: Yeah, I, he just has to learn how to play more aware of his situation from a foul perspective with the minutes that he's going to get. He's getting more minutes now than he could have expected to, considering the situation that he yeah. found himself in in his red shirt freshman year. 100%. He'll learn. He has to get a. You,
1: you a- know what's funny, Zach, you bring up Bridges, and and I apologize. I, I thought I lost you, but I was actually the one that got lost here for a second. So, but JB, <laughs> there was a time in that game we're up nine, right? And I looked at this, and this is something that I was watching, rewatching again. We're up nine, a questionable foul with thirteen oh two. They go to the line, they make free throws. Then the next sequence Bridges tries to get the pass down low to Culver, does not make the good pass. They get, he ends up then fouling Greg Brown on a three. Greg Brown makes all three of the free throws. Texas is down four. So you look at that real quickly there. A, a span of three plays in that game in a very short span took that thing from being a nine comfortable point lead to being right back down to a dog fight and, and not saying that's something that, and that's Bridges is going to learn those things. I mean, dude really is only playing his what? Fifth game in college basketball coming up here in a couple weeks. So I, I liken it to saying, man, we still have so much room. to. I've heard some interesting comments from Larry Harrison talking about Todd's the week. Um, I don't know if you read those as well and how that could be really interesting if we can maybe get another guy to give us some minutes, give us some spark, you know, a Todd sweet, kind of like how Kedrian Johnson did there against Oklahoma state, maybe continue to add to this team, continue to get it better. Because I I was talking about this with my cousin here, Zach, you know, pretty huge basketball guy. And he said to me, he said, I still love this team this year. And I said, you know what? I love this team this year, but I really, really love this team next year. Oh
2: yeah. Yeah. I, as excited as I am for the rest of the season, and I, I hate to do this midseason and look ahead, but I, I can't help it. I try to look forward in the future with these teams and see what they're looking like and how they'll be constructed, which you yeah, never true. know who's going to be here and who's not. But it, it obviously is a bright future. we still got a lot of young guys. We're going to maintain a lot of eligibility, or all the eligibility for everybody on the team this year because of the COVID rules. And that's one thing that, you know, makes playing a guy like Thweet, if he ends up deserving that playing time and getting out there, you don't have to worry about burning this red shirt. That's a perfectly excusable thing to do because you don't have to worry about burning it. So yeah. throw him out there. If he's shown he can hang, do it.
1: Yeah. The more bodies the better. A hundred percent. Get hit get him out there on the floor. Allow him to make some plays. I just thought that was interesting that he was he was mentioned by Larry because we know Larry's kind of the guy who's dishing out a lot of minutes too. You know. Mm-hmm. Um He's kind of in charge of the rotations at times, and that means that he, Todd Sweet's getting it in and practice some more maybe potentially, and maybe we see him here here in the next couple of games here hopefully and, and providing a little bit of a role, giving some guys some breathers here and there when they need them. Um, now, Zach, obviously we don't know what's going to happen with the schedule you know, coming off of that. Hell, we don't even know what time we're playing Kansas State. It's got it at 2 and 4, depending on when ESPN wants to slot us in there. But then right off, right after that is the game with Texas Tech, and I think that might be the most important game we play all season in terms of our trajectory of how high we might go, or do we really need to rebound and get ourselves back together for a, for the tough stretch that comes in February?
2: I agree with that. I think obviously Texas Tech is tough no matter what, but this year they've got another reloaded, another good team, and
1: transfer heavy. heavy. Yeah. I mean, and, they are transfer heavy. Yeah, I mean, it, they're still they're still getting it together as well, I think. I mean, that's why I was a little disappointed when Texas kind of gave that to them, because it gave them all that confidence, confidence they didn't really need to get. I don't think, um, you know, because they talk about the culture, the culture, the culture, the culture. Of Texas Tech, you know, if you watch a broadcast, I mean, and you had that in a drinking game or a bingo, you're, you're winning. That's that's for sure. I mean, they, they love Chris Beard and his culture. Um, and, and so they're still trying to figure that out, right, with this team. And for them to come back like they did against Texas, granted Texas didn't shoot at all in the second half, but for them to come back and win that thing, it just kind of builds a building block. So they're not going to be intimidated. Not that they would have been anyway, but it's just one of those things where it's like you know, would have been nice to kind of – they'll have that in their back pocket, a little bit of kind of ammunition and knowing that they're a good team for when we get that opportunity with them here com- coming up. Uh, and not – I mean, it's not, not that far away, the 25th. And that's really the next game I'm looking forward to and saying, all right, let's go. It's going to be a real sprint for us too once we um, come back because we're going to have to pick up some of these games in certain time slots for sure
2: if they are able to reschedule everything that we miss in the next handful of days and compress that schedule together where you're playing more games in a certain amount of time than you had anticipated previously that's going to be a hell of a, a hell of a schedule for them to have to play especially considering the distance they have to travel so yeah. when you're pushing those games in slots where you you know would have had a little more rest it'll be it'll be tough for sure and
1: pa- positive for us though is those games were at home so at least that potentially those teams have to make the trip out to us. Hopefully,
2: yeah, that is a good point. So uh, Texas Tech will be a, a massive test at that point in the season. Hopefully, in the time we have off for this COVID delay, we're not losing our touch. We're, you know, coming more together as a team, understanding the roles better that they have to assume now that Oscar's gone. It, it'll be a huge test. I think you're right. That's that's going to be a huge benchmark for this season, one way or the other.
1: Yeah. Because I mean, I, I look at it and say, coming coming off of coming off of uh, the break. Hopefully, you have an, a decent performance against Kansas State, kind of get yourself your feet back wet. You're ten and four, and you're playing a Texas Tech team. You're still going to be right in the top fifteen. Texas Tech's going to be in that area too. You win that game, boom, you're back in the top ten. You got Florida coming. You got Iowa State uh, again, a team that you can beat. You know, and then you get Kansas. So it's like. Things can things can percolate, because I think the next time we play Kansas, we're going to have a much better chance with them, too. Uh, it's it's the momentum of this season. Every game is going to be a grind. It's individual games are going to all, all be tough. But I think for us especially, we've got to get some positive momentum with this group because they want to prove that they can win on that big stage, right? You know what I mean? Without a doubt. I'm, I'm glad you,
2: brought, I'm glad you yeah. brought up the Kansas point. We played in Morgantown. We're not going to be the same team, obviously, that we were when we played them the first time this season. And I would like to think that we'll be more apt to match up against them than we were the first time because you remember that game. Huggins was trying every damn yep. thing he could think of to try and shut them down, and it just wasn't working. He couldn't man up one of them the way he would like. He, he tried to throw a couple different zones at them, and we just couldn't do much about them. They shot the lights out that night. Hopefully we can hopefully yeah, we yeah. can uh, get them a little, little better this time around.
1: They haven't shot like that since. No. I mean, let's be quite honest about it. They've had a couple of duds, dud performances shooting the rock since then. Um, I I just look at that and say I, I'm interested to see them. And honestly too, I want to bring this, at point, this point out. I don't know if you remember, how many times did Oscar look terrible, terrible defensively in that game versus Kansas? So, I mean, hopefully that'll be something that kind of improves and we'll get better with that moving forward um zach i mean that, that's just something i look at man i'm just saying you know this this season's such a grind and it's so it's so compacted man the month of february you know what there's 28 28 days in the month of february do you know how many games we are scheduled to have in the month of february though no, hit me we've we at the moment have eight scheduled games already out of 28 Ooh. days right that's not including the three games that we still got to figure out. Now, granted, they have set up that additional week in March this year as kind of a as kind of a week to play other games because the Big Twelve tournament doesn't start until the 10th. So you've got some time there from when we play our last scheduled regular season game at home against Kansas State the 27th of February till March 10th to get some of those games in. So that's a that's a positive. But I mean, I, I'd imagine we'll probably get up get up to nine games potentially in the month of February. And that doesn't include the fact you're playing Florida on the 30th at home, potentially still, we hope, in the SEC Challenge. So you're going to have about 10 games in a span of, what, 30 days, give or take? That's a lot of ball. A lot of ball. I mean, and if you're playing well, then that could really catapult us and could get us back into where we feel really good about March. Um, it's it's going to be – I don't think we'll, ever, we'll have ever seen a ride quite like that in the month of February, because that's kind of when I feel like things kind of grind down sometimes. But I think this break here for us could really be a, a huge, huge benefit to us, um, especially how much we're going to have to play there in February.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: It's almost going to act like a bye week
2: for these guys, which, you know, basketball doesn't have intrinsic bye weeks, you know. So it's going to have a little mm-hmm. time off for them to recover. It sounds like Derek has really, really needed that kind of time off because he's gotten the hell beat out of them huggins hasn't been quiet about saying so so no he had
1: and yeah, rightfully said so. absolutely
2: he it needs to be brought attention to and not only him but the other guys who were dealing with flu like huggins huggins talked about give them time to recover from that because it seems like every year almost we have guys who suffer from some kind of ailment and it happened again he didn't disclose who was feeling flu symptoms but he was sure to say that they weren't COVID.
1: Uh, covid positive. Ooh, yeah, he was. In a year like in a year like this though, that makes it even even trickier, right? Dealing with the flu like thing because of how asymptomatic that virus is. I mean, that that's kind of when I heard that I thought, "Hmm, interesting. That could be a problem down the line." Um but hey man, you know, it's I'm I'm glad that at, to this point we seem to be like everything is as normal as it can be in this situation that we're dealing with
2: yeah there are are teams that are suffering a lot more and hopefully we can manage to not be one of them but it's still a lot of season left to go i'm hoping that we can manage to reschedule and play all the games that we have on the slate but you never know there are other programs that could come down with the same issue we are and end up having to eat those games
1: it's true you know and, and in the end though if we have to eat um, any of those games, I'm not necessarily disappointed in it because if it gives us a chance to get ourselves back right and we're the way we need to be heading for March, that's more important still the Big 12 tournament and, and the NCAA tournament obviously than these three games we're playing, which we're going to play in January.
2: Yeah, for sure. Just to, just to be able to play basketball in general is a, is a blessing. So hopefully we can finish out the rest of the season and everything will be good.
1: Yeah, I mean, and no, and no reason to think we wouldn't, we wouldn't be. Um, but l- like we said, I mean, you know, you, until, until we see him back out there on the floor, I guess the question will still linger to some extent. Um, but hopefully, like we said, that'll give us a lot of juice and to kind of get us rolling. Uh, so, Zach, speaking of juice, buddy, I, I, I wanted to uh, kind of get into the uh, your feelings on the natty there a little bit, buddy, and, and kind of uh, what you, um, you know. Your, your kind of thoughts on how college football was this season and just kind of in general there uh, from, from, you know, after Nick Saban and the boys uh, put it down there on the Buckeyes on Monday night? Well,
2: let me say, football seasons in, in our lifetime at least, Alabama still manages to come out on top. So the more things change, <laughs> the more they stay yeah. the same. And I coming in, you know, at least a month or two ago, if not longer, Alabama was proven that they were the best team in the country, and it only continued to get more and more clear as the season went on, like, who's going to touch these guys? Then they just beat the dog shit out of Notre Dame in the first playoff game. And when you see how Ohio State handled Clemson, you're like, okay, they might have a shot. And they did. Alabama... Alabama yeah, just no, whipped their ass, no. and it wasn't a shock to me. <laughs> up
0: and then, honestly, the field.
2: it kind of played out a little no. bit like the Ohio State-Clemson game did because they went back and forth, back and forth. You know, they were hanging with each other on offense, scoring one after the other. And then Alabama did to Ohio State what Ohio State did to Clemson and just took off, and Ohio State couldn't keep up.
1: Yeah. Which, it was one of those things where it's kind of like at some point in time uh, – Ohio State blinked on, on Monday night, right? And, and, and it's sort, sort of like you said, it's sort of the same thing that kind of happened um, to Clemson against Ohio State. Granted, turnovers didn't didn't play as huge of a role um, as you, you know, would have thought. I mean, Ohio State just wasn't able to protect Fields, and you could tell Fields wasn't totally right there. Um, and then Devonta – I mean, nobody could cover Devonta Smith, and that was apparent uh i felt so bad for the old for number 42 uh trying <laughs> to cover him man on man down the not scene a shot. there. i mean it was like "Whoo, buddy buddy that, that would have mean me and you might have been able to do i mean we probably would have done a worse job than, than he Much did, worse. but it wouldn't have been significantly mixed yes yeah, significantly it, the end result would have yeah. been the same let's put it that way um and that was that was wild you know, it's it's funny. It's funny when you kind of when you think about it and you kind of go and you dive deep inside it. I mean, Hell, he had over three touchdowns and you know, 100, over 150 yards and 12 catches in the first half. Um, yeah, two fifteen. Yeah. Wow, I did not know it was that. I mean, I knew he had a bunch, um, but I mean, that's it's it, it's crazy. And then you, Najee Harris, just kind of gets just overlooked. And I'm like, man, he would have been the easily if he's on any other team in the country would have been the runner up for uh-huh. the Heisman trophy this year uh or maybe third if you want to put Trevor Lawrence up there too because Always. people slobber. We'll get to bit, that you know? later. But um yeah yeah um <laughs> hey by the way that's that we will get to that here in a minute because uh of some of the the news that's kind of broke in the uh, with the shield um but back to college Zach um you know, I, I look – I mean, I look at Bama and I just think that that, that thing is an absolute behemoth juggernaut. Um, year in and year out, Saban finds ways to, to get the best out of what he has, right? And what he has is a great thing. And I love the story of Mac Jones, by the way. I mean, you think about that for a minute. A kid who is third string behind Jalen Hurts. And, Tua. And, uh, you know, and Tua – and then he get, finally gets his opportunity this season to really be the guy. We saw, we knew he was kind of good last year toward, when he came over for Tua, but it's like, man, great for that kid. And I think that's a story that needs to be told more often to kids. Maybe a story needs to be told to somebody like an Oscar Shebwa. Sometimes hard work and patience is not a bad thing in this world. Maybe you're in a position you need to be in for a reason. Let's also think about yep. Devonta Smith for crying out loud. I mean, the dude was behind you know rugs and jerry judy and just some of the other litany of wide receivers Bama's had over the years and like look what happened look what he's doing now so it's sometimes you know and i hope that's the kind of culture and it's maybe a little easier to build that culture in football than it is in basketball but i mean i hope that's the kind of culture that we can kind of build that neil and the boys can build too Is kind of that compete grind And when you get your opportunity, you will get your opportunity. Gotta love it for Mac Jones, man. That was that was probably the the best part about this season for Bama is just getting to see that kid succeed the way he did. I could not
2: agree more. In this instant gratification world that we live in, you see all too often in college sports that guys don't want to wait behind guys that they have to compete with. They don't get a job. Deuces, I'm out. I'm going to go somewhere else where I can start right away.
1: Especially in yep. this transfer portal market world, now, the way it is. In football and basketball you know. now,
2: too. You're absolutely right. And I, I absolutely mm-hmm. love that for Mac Jones. He, he absolutely could have transferred somewhere else one, two, three years ago and probably gotten a starting job right away. Assuredly yeah. uh, would have gotten a starting job right away, but he didn't. Oh, yeah. He stuck it out, ended up being a Heisman finalist, national title winner, winner, and possibly a first-round pick in the NFL. So I, I love it. And what I love, too – is it wasn't just him. Like you said, Devonta Smith stayed around. Najee Harris has stayed around multiple years, either three or four years. And Saban had one of the more experienced teams that he's had, I think. And you just like to see it. And those bigger programs are used to guys leaving early. And I just think that it's cool to see a team that's stuck together, especially when they had to compete behind guys who were ahead of them, who got the spots ahead of them. It's It's just cool to see. And one other thing that I want to say as far as Alabama's concerned, that I saw on Twitter. I don't know if I passed this along to you, or you might have seen it on your own. If I'm not. Mis- no, different from Mac, Mac Jones, Jones. But if I'm not mistaken, oh, in Saban's about decade and a half in Tuscaloosa, every scholarship athlete that he has had on that team has won a national championship.
1: That's. It's like I don't know if you remember this Zach or not playing NCAA football. You had the option as that was one of your promises to a kid. You could promise him a national championship, right? Nick Saban can Nick Saban yeah. can actually really do that. Like, that's that's a real that's thing. Crazy. Right? <laughs> that was one I, I had a buddy, he'd always want to put that out there. I'm like, nah, man, we, we we can't do that. It's too unpredictable, <laughs> even if it is a video game. I'm not predicting the natty. If they if they don't want to come play for us because we win, you know, conference championships and and yeah, I mean, you know, I can't predict you a national championship just because I would snap my fingers. You know what I'm saying? Even even on a video game. So um, uh, that's it's crazy that Saban can do that. And wow, I mean, that's a stat right there. I mean, you think about it. I mean, he has won six since he uh, since he since he went there. And you know what's funny too, Zach? It's kind of we're on the band, we're on this thing here. We might as well stick with it. Think about what would have happened had our boy hold the rope, Rich Rodriguez taking that job. Let's just think about the the landscape of college football and what has happened since that day. I mean, Rich Rod had the job. They give it to Saban Saban win six national titles. Richrod's now the O. C. at Louisiana fucking Monroe. I mean, talk about talk about two stars that have went in two totally different directions. And I love Rich Rod. I think he should have continued to get his opportunities um, at Ole Miss is the OC. I thought he was doing a great job there building it. And, I mean, honestly, Arizona, uh, we know why he was let go there, and you can't condone that by any means, but he was winning there, too. So it wasn't like it was performance based. And then at Michigan, by the time he was in his third year, he actually kind of had it started to turn around. And then the next year, Brady Hoke took it. I think with Terry Bowden and those guys, and at, at you know, being the OC at Monroe, he'll do, he'll, he will do well, but. Man, he's never going to be Not able to close. that's for damn that, sure. that would have
2: been a complete shift no. in college football. I've read an article years ago about that very subject and what would have happened if – or what the projections were of what could have happened if Rich Rod had taken that Alabama job. I can't remember all the specifics, but it – I mean, it turned everything else on its head compared to how things actually turned out. Oh, there yeah. was a domino effect from
1: there. I mean, it, 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 someone just la- someone could joke and laugh and say – Heard someone say, "Well, you think that would have led Saban to West Virginia?" I said, "Nah, he was still coaching in the pros. Bama, Bama backed up the Brinks trucks there for him um, to get him to get him to come there." Uh, but you know, it's it, it's a funny and it's just kind of funny, and you think about it. And also, a couple other things, internet wise, in Bama, you know that Mac Jones took a visit to Morgantown, correct? While Dana Holgerson was the head coach, right? Yep, it's actually now. Granted, that's a that's a message type of thing but it was he was was one of the schools he had visited um said i've been to wvu i think it was tennessee bama and another another couple other ones and small, some of them were pretty small schools too at the time uh but yeah mac jones was on the campus at one point in time and let him slip through our fingers and then the other one was they said bam is going back into that ncaa kind of football mode there zach we're on on these video game today heavy You know how like you kind of get to that point where like man, I've just we're too good here. It's not a challenge. I got to start over again, right? Like, Saban's almost at that point in the video game where he's like, "All right, so I've won this thing six times in like in twelve years, and you know maybe I'm going to go start over Wyoming," is where the person said. And I thought, no, 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 you got the wrong W school there, buddy. He starts it back over in Morgantown. (laughs) If he starts it over anywhere, Um, but I mean. It's funny, because like, you think about Saban, like, that, that is, that's where he's at now, right? I mean, it's almost like a challenge. Like, I mean, what else can he do? There's nothing else you can expect of him. It's, it's almost to, to a sense absurd, um, the level that Nick Saban has taken that Alabama program to. Um, a program that's proud and, and has been to heights that are pretty high as well with Bear Bryant. But the fact that he has ma- matched Bear Bryant's total. In, at Bama itself is is a pretty pretty wild thing, especially in the in the era we live in now. Um, Zach, let's get into something real quick here too. On the topic of playoffs, I've heard a lot of people talk about expansion of them. What do you think, man? How many do you think we should get it to? And you know, do you think that? I mean, it obviously needs to happen, right? Because we're in the sense of an era now where you have two teams that are always going to be in it. It feels like, um, and then it's it's everybody else. I mean, I guess you could throw Ohio State in there. They've been there quite a few times. Um, Do you feel like, you know, that's what we need to have happen? I've been in favor of that for quite some time since the the time they announced it would be four when they created
2: it. Obviously, that was meant to be a starting point, but it's been, what, seven years since they enacted the playoff? And they're still at four. I think, personally, eight teams is the way to go. Some people are in favor of 16. Some extremists are in favor of more. But I think eight is the number to go for it it gives you a collection of the top teams in the country, and you're not going so far to where you're matching up, however you were to arrange the playoff, but you're not matching up one versus 16, which this year would have been Alabama and who? Someone like Northwestern or someone of that nature, where they're just going to whip their ass.
1: Uh, this year, yeah, I mean, who knows who would have been. I think the final poll – Number 16 would have been – I think it Northwestern have. would have snuck up there a little higher, Zach. But, like,
0: maybe – I think okay. actually
1: 16 might have or been. Was everybody um, would have loved to see it. Or Louisiana or – yeah. I mean, it's – yeah, I, I, think, I think you're right on saying that eight is the correct number. Um, because I think 16 is just too heavy. It's too much. It's too involved. At least with eight, you're going to get your conference champions. Um, and honestly, too, I don't even think that that should be a requirement. Um, I think you take the eight best teams, but I'm okay if you want to go five conference champs and then maybe even, even, I even think maybe include a invite to the group of five and say your best, your best team in the group of five, if they are ranked in the top 10 to 15, you get an automatic berth in there and then you get two get at that large that. spots. Plus, I mean, because other, otherwise, if you don't do that, you that with, with the four group four. of five, sorry, I cut you off there, but I want to finish real quick. If you don't do that with the group of five, then they might as well not even be a part of the system anymore. And you might as well break them up into a different subsection and have, you know, like an FBS one and FBS two, like they used to do back in the day with one double A and one A football. I mean, because otherwise it's pointless for the I mean, not pointless, but it's just it's just like. They're kind of just suckling at the money teeth, you know what I mean? It, and they have no real opportunity. When you say that, otherwise. it very
2: well could be a possibility if the NCAA ceases to exist in the manner that we understand it now or the way that it exists now. If that ever happened, that absolutely could be the way of the future. True. So that's not out of the realm of possibility. It'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to, be, it'll interest, be interesting it to see. It wouldn't shock.
1: But – that, that would not shock at all. I would actually kind of would kind of dig that format, to be honest. With you. If you had a if now, granted, I think at that point in time, I think you doubt the the, you know, the one double A or the the non power five championship. You probably have four teams in that playoff. Right. And then you play those things around Christmas and then you have their national championship on New Year's Eve or or, or on New Year's Day or something around the other kind of leading into the playoff playoff Um because I think it would be good timing, I think people would enjoy absolutely love to watch those elite teams at that level get after it It'd be interesting very i really do. see what the what the comparison is i mean yeah, it, it would it would be fun um i think I think it would be something that when you kind of look at and you think about college um uh, college athletics. It would, it would kind of give, you know, back in the day when Marshall was a 1AA program, right? It took a lot of pride. They took a lot of pride in winning 1AA championships. And so I think it would be very much the same same level if that's where you're going to go. If you're going to decide, well, we're never going to let these guys in the playoff system. Um, you know, we don't really want to share this and that with them. They wouldn't like it, but it would in the end, I think in, they would enjoy it more. Than what's going on now. I mean, when you have a team like Cincinnati who's not even allowed to be a part of the party, I mean, that's just a, it's, it's, it doesn't help No, It anymore. doesn't. And you know, one point I was going to make
2: about a group of five team having to be within the top 10 to make the playoffs, but it gets expanded to eight. I think that typically, by and large, your best group of five team ends up being in the top 10 anyway, going into bowl season. And I think that would work out right. on its own. But you're right. I think that'd be a good qualifier and it'd be it'd be interesting to see how they fared year in and year out group of 5 the top group of 5 team i'm speaking of and just see what they did because there's constant speculation yeah. ever since the playoff was created whether or not the group of best group of 5 team could hang with a true top end group of five or uh, power five team and you really haven't gotten to see that that hasn't been something that's happened, the playoff committee hasn't allowed a group of five team into the top four, and that would dispel any notion that they couldn't hang or that they weren't worthy because they would get into that top eight. So it'd be fun to watch just to see how they could handle themselves.
1: And you know, you know, Zach, we're talking a lot about group of five in this discussion, but let's also be real about this real quick too. That gives everybody from the top, you know, those other programs in the country, Mm-hmm. The West Virginias, the North Carolinas, the, you know, yep. the, the Miamis of the world, you know, to be quite honest with you, the SEC, you know, what's, right, Florida in there. what's the, it gives all of those programs, Texas, A, Texas A&M, Iowa State, you know, Texas for that matter, really, you know, it gives all those teams an opportunity when you make it eight. Because at four right now, I think it's just almost too selective and, and inclusive of a club, right? Um, especially with the way college football is set up to where a lot of this, especially now, is totally subjective with the committee making these decisions, right? Um, I mean, who wouldn't have loved to have seen Texas AM get an opportunity the way they were playing? Uh, who would have not have loved to have seen Oklahoma this year get a chance there at the end? I mean... It would have been nice to see. I think eight's the perfect number, like you said, but it gives those other programs that aren't Bama, Clemson, and Ohio State opportunities, right? You know, it really, really does.
2: Hot Oklahoma had gotten at the end of the year. They struggled early on. They were working with a brand-new, fresh, young quarterback, working with guys that hadn't gotten as much time as others. And after the first few games, they just kept getting better and better and better. And at the end of the season, they were playing about as good as anybody else in the country. So, getting to see them go against a team like Clemson oh, yeah. or had, had they State, been the, I doubt they would have been an eighth seed. But to see them go yeah. against one of the top four from this year would have been interesting. They very well go home with them and beat
1: them. Oh, I mean, Zach, I'll, I'll get to tell you now. They, they finished the poll sixth, right? They took Iowa State's spot after beating them. They would have gotten Ohio State. And granted, Ohio State played one of their best games of the season there in the playoff game against Clemson. But I would have loved mm-hmm. to have seen Oklahoma's defense, the way they were playing Definitely. at the end, get a crack at those guys. Um, would have been, been electric. would have played the same kind um, of game they did against Clemson so, because there was a lot of
2: revenge factor in that game. They were hyped
1: up to play that oh,
2: bad boy. They wouldn't have had the same feelings about Oklahoma.
1: Oh, 100, 100%. I mean, you think about it, Going back now looking at it, I, I wish I would have thought this way and, and thought about a couple mm-hmm. of these angles. I mean, Dabo voting them 11th losing last year to him, losing another time in the playoff pretty bad. Um hell, even if you want to go eventual with the fan aspect, they might have heard about Woody Hayes losing his job when he <laughs> lost to Clemson and choking that guy on the sideline. So I mean, it goes it goes all the way back, right? Um so there's a little bit of there was a little bit of vengeance like you said there. They may not have had the same level uh of player motivation had they been playing against, you know, against uh Ohio, against Oklahoma and not Ohio, and not Clemson, you know, they're from the uh, Ohio State sideline of things uh, that's a really good point um so Zach I think you know last last thing we want to get into we mm-hmm. kind of tease this to the top talking about Trevor Lawrence right talking about Let's do uh, some pro football here real quick man the number one number one news obviously yep. is the Urban Meyer to the Jags conversation and where that lends us with the quarterback position he said there's a couple guys he likes right I heard that quote specifically uh he was involved in getting Justin Fields into Columbus uh granted he didn't coach him but I think that's uh something to watch out for he also been pretty been pretty praiseful of, of Zach Wilson in the end I mean I think everybody and their brother thinks he's gonna take Trevor but they have other issues there too I wouldn't be shocked if they trade out of that pick maybe maybe get somebody to move up with them they move down they still get a quarterback they like and he, he gets other things what do you think on Urban man? Do you think he's going to be good in the pros? He's a player's coach. What's your man? thought? And guys in the NFL, that's what they want. They want a
2: guy who's going to be out there for them. He is going to damn sure do that. But he's also such a brilliant mind. Like he, he can coach man. And that's that's the main point I wanted to get into when I brought up Lawrence. Is I know what you think. You believe the Fields is the better prospect. That he would be better to go number one ahead of ahead of Lawrence. Do you think that's a legitimate possibility that Urban could trade back? Because he'd be wise to do that. Anybody would be willing to pay, you know, a pretty penny to get that number one pick from them to get Trevor Lawrence, who in his own right is an excellent quarterback, in my opinion, mm-hmm. the best quarterback out there. And anybody who wants a quarterback right now, hell, maybe some teams that don't, don't even necessarily need one right now would be in love with the thought of getting them. But do you think that that's something Urban would – entertained doing. Maybe not even to just get Justin Fields if he traded back, but to get somebody else he likes.
1: I I think it's something that he... I mean, let's put it this way. Urban Meyer for some reason kind of has a Jimmy Johnson type vibe in terms of how he would be as a head football coach in the pros, right? He's got some fire. He's won everywhere he's been. Um, mm-hmm. He kind of pulled himself up from the bottom, you know, to kind of get where he's at. Now, granted jimmy a little different in terms of he didn't he wasn't in college as long as urban not as in urban's a little bit um older than jimmy was when he made the leap some different things there obviously to look into but i just liken them to the their mentalities and their styles right and i don't know who's the gm pulling the strings there in jacksonville but i'm sure him and urban meyer are going to be working a lot in concert and urban meyer's got a lot of contacts in the college football game he's been watching it closely this year He'll have a good couple of drafts here just from being as closely involved with college football as he has been the last few years. He's looking at things that he really likes for players, right? Um, I think he could really stockpile in the draft and get a bunch of pieces. Um, and then if you're able to find a quarterback that does well – and you know what, Minshew's not the worst quarterback in the world either. I'm not sure that he's the guy you want to build a franchise around, but he's a guy who could win you some games as well. I'm not sure Urban wouldn't even entertain that thought um although in the end he's going to get a quarterback because he knows that Minshew's not the guy to win a championship and he's not he's not in the nfl to to make the playoffs he mm-hmm. wants to win he wants to bring home that lombardi trophy um at some point in time in his career uh i Zach, I, I think it's a, it's just something worth looking into man um Love and then move. with the jets Love making it. the move to get robert sala you know i do too I love it. I think I like it more than I like Urban and the Jags. I'm more intrigued by Urban. I think, this, and the in, the, in, the in my Jazz. opinion, Sala um,
2: is the best candidate that's out there in this
1: pool for this year. I absolutely love the guy. Yep. Yep. Look what he was getting out of this Niners defense this year with all the dudes that were missing. Let's put it this way: they the Jets went from a team that hated their coach to now a team that's going to absolutely run through a brick wall for their coach and Sala. Um, you saw it with the Niners doing it all year with just who's the mash unit out there for uh, for his solid defense and then Shanahan's offense. And they still were able to be competitive in a pretty tough um, NFC West division, you know, uh, when when push comes to shove. So, I mean, that's I, I mean, the solid move is great. And I think that kind of affects the draft, too, when you think about it, too, you know, um, the Jets. I mean, there's talk now that Darnold's kind of got his opportunity back with Salah, And you know what? I'm not necessarily opposed to Darnold being able to be back. Yep. I think he's kind of had a bum rap in the NFL to some extent. Yeah, he saw ghost. But, man, every quarterback. Tom Brady, mm-hmm. if you get a good pass rush
0: in his yeah. face, it's good I didn't, to see ghosts. I didn't
2: love Darnold when he was coming out. I mean. But when I, so, the flashes, I do too. The flashes I've seen I didn't times, either, but I like him some more now. 50-some yard run that he had earlier this season. Like, I didn't know he even had that in him. Some of the throws that you see him make, it, he's got it in him. And one thing that intrigues me, and I will hold on to this till the day I die, I firmly believe that Gase, it's obvious that Gase got his acclaim because of what he had with Payne Manning in in Denver. That was where he made his name. That's how he got the coaching position in Miami and then the coaching position in New York. But you see what Ryan Tannehill, who was his quarterback in Miami, what he did when he went to Tennessee, when he got out from under Gase's thumb, Who's to say the same thing can't happen with Darnold? I I wouldn't be surprised
1: one bit, at all. I wouldn't be surprised at all um, if, if Darnold was able to kind of kind of come out of Gase's shadow here and really really turn it on. Um, Zach, I, I'll tell you this too, man. When it comes to when it comes to Darnold and kind of way he led that team, think about how bad they were this year, and they come back mm-hmm. there at the backside of the season and win a couple games. Uh, when he's when he's leading the team, there's some fire in that young man, uh, for sure. And I, I mean, think about it. He's not that much, not that much. I mean, he's in the same area as a Josh Allen uh, type. When you think about his experience in the league, right? He hasn't been out there that long. Let's let's kind of take a breather here before you bury Sam Darnold for good. Um, now, granted, he may need to change the scenery from New York, but I mean, not now. Now, not having Gase, I think, kind of helps him with that as well, too, right? So that's that's a huge that's a huge factor. I I could really kind of see Darnold reinventing himself in a trade elsewhere though too if the Jets decide to take a quarterback at number 2.
2: And that'll be interesting because you see the prospects that are non-quarterbacks in that area swell from Oregon. Yeah. hilariously amazing offensive lineman. If you re- if you want to stick to Darnold, that's your pick. Oh,
1: 100% or, he's, or. You, take, or Devonta you take Devonta Smith. There you go. I mean, I think that's a, I think that's something worth worth looking into, right? I mean, Devonta Smith is is one of the best. I mean, one of the one of the more we've seen, for in the last probably ten ten plus years, right? I mean, just and if you put him in a good offensive scheme, now that's going to be a key, okay, you know. For, especially for Darnold, um, and in kind of what kind of offense are they now going to run there with Salah? But I have a feeling that they'll they'll figure it out and be just fine. Um, I mean that's it's intriguing. I mean there's a lot of a whole lot of intrigue there, uh, you know, as as to what could happen. But here's a here's a rumor I've kind of heard here, Zach. And, and tell me your thoughts on this uh, real quick. Sam Darnold traded to the Pittsburgh Steelers.
2: I have seen the same, and when I saw it, I liked it. He's a low-money hes a low money guy considering he's still in his rookie contractor, you know, at least relatively speaking for a starting quarterback, and he would jump right into that job depending on what happens with Roethlisberger. Even if Roethlisberger plays out this year and doesn't come back the year after, that would be Darnold's job to take. I don't mind it. He was obviously drafted at the top of the draft for a reason, and changes of scenery like that can give guys a, a new breath of life and reinvigorate Yeah. It. I've I've liked that idea since I first saw it, so I'd I'd beg that. I'd I'd be into it.
1: Uh and and you know, it's it's interesting because let's get into that real quick here, Zach, to kind of get us out of here. Um You're
2: gonna make me talk about the Steelers, aren't you?
1: I am I'm unfortunately gonna make Damn talk you. About the Steelers buddy. I mean it's just the way it's it's <laughs> I have to, okay. Um here's here's the thing, right? What happens Sunday happens where where do they go where do you even begin to start i mean you lost four or five you played one good half you found a way to still be at the playoffs yet you there was no semblance of a team that was going to be competitive and win a world title i mean and, i mean do you start with ben now do you wait what's what's your move there because let's be real here real quick the browns have now passed in the division i don't think that's i don't think that's even arguable um Steelers held on to win that title. The Browns were coming; they were coming fast. The the Ravens are going to be right where they're going to be for a while with Lamar, and then you've got Joey B in Cincinnati with Higgins and some of the talent that they could build. And uh, don't don't put it past the Bengals to be pretty frisky next season. Um, And the Steelers are just getting older, and they're getting old fast. Now, defensively, they still be good if guys return back, but you got to have something. You got to score points too.
2: Yeah. I said this to multiple people, not even at the end of the game, because from the very beginning of that Cleveland game, you could see where it was going. It was it was obvious that Cleveland had their hands on that one. But it was a changing of the guard, in my opinion, in the AFC North. Steelers have been at the top of that division for decades. And Browns have been on the come up, and they showed that they're a force to be reckoned with now and in the future. And the Steelers, they collapsed. I don't know if I have or ever will see a team start out as hot as they did, 11-0, and collapse at the end. It was unbelievable. And this team, the way they were set up, this was their year. This is the year they had to take advantage of whatever they could to make a run in the Super Bowl, and they squandered it. Granted, they had injury situations. Losing Devin Bush was huge. Losing Dupree was even more huge. Well, it's arguable. Devin Bush is integral to that defense. But – Losing both of those guys, massive, and you didn't have Joe Hayden in that playoff game. It was just, it was a recipe for disaster, and it just, it didn't work out. And now they're saddled with so many guys, Ben Roethlisberger included, that they can't really afford to pay Roethlisberger. The only choice they have is to keep him or let him walk or retire, and they'd still owe him twenty-two million if, even if he wasn't in Pittsburgh next year. So the way I see it, yeah, why not help? Why not try to figure out whatever you can from a financial standpoint this year? Run it back with Ben, see what you got and you know, do fin- let him finish it out the best way he can because him sitting on the bench with tears f- falling down his face, that's not the lasting image I would imagine he wants.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you'd rather have him going out fighting uh maybe losing a playoff game on the road or something of that. Sort Because I'll be honest, too, Zach, I don't think it's ever going to be a situation until you finally figure out how to run the football and want to run the football again to where you can win a championship with him as quarterback. Now, I think if you find yourself a good running back and you start committing yourself again to running the football like the Pittsburgh Steelers have done for for decades, that's probably why you're on top of the AFC Mm. North or in in the AFC Central for so long, because that was the mentality, right? And it's somehow, some way, it's went away from that. And I'm surprised with Tomlin that it has, um, you know, really have uh, surprised. But you know what? If you can't do something, he knows what's it's fool's it's a fool's errand to continue to keep trying to do mm-hmm. it, right? You know, you're not gonna it's not gonna succeed. So, I mean, but you look at the team that advanced, the team that can run the football, and that was the Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I mean, are you starting to look? Do you do you start looking for quarterback in the draft uh, this next season if you're Pittsburgh? I think it's something you have to entertain if there's a good one down there far enough, um, because I'm not sure I'm not sure Mason's your Na- Mason's your guy who's going to lead you back to the promised land after Big Ben decides to hang it up. No, I don't think so either, and I
2: don't think anybody who's watched Rudolph play would say that either, because he's solid but he's not going to win exactly anything. he's solid he he can be one of the better backups in the league and that's fine if we can keep him one in that role that'd be great but he's not your franchise quarterback in the future what they will do in the draft this year I don't know there are so many things that they need if running back is probably at the top of the list amongst other things but quarterbacks right there with it but I just don't I don't know who they're going to draft in the spot that they have this year that's going to be that guy because at that point in the draft You may get lucky and have Trey Lance
1: there. I wouldn't mind if they took him, but. Be an interesting move because that guy would have the potential to be a guy, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That'd be an interesting move by the Steelers. If that'd be the move they'd go with, obviously it'd be kind of a, I wouldn't say a Jordan love situation, but kind of a, he's definitely going to sit for a year, at least maybe two depending on how it's going before he sees the field. Coming off of him not really having any uh, games this season, um, he's a raw prospect. That's a, that's a really interesting kind of move there if you're down there late. Because you could still – because, I mean, you don't really need any help at linebacker if you come back healthy. Although, you might want to gain some more depth yep. there. Yeah. But is that the guy you want to take early – a lot of early picks on? Maybe not, mm-hmm. right? Um have got money tied up elsewhere. Yeah. I just – that's – I mean, they're an intriguing – that's an intriguing team. And an intriguing team moving forward, Zach, because – of what you expect out of them. And I, and I do it out of a position a lot of times of just like respect at this point for the Steelers. I don't necessarily like the Steelers, but you, you can't help but respect them. Yeah. I mean, you cannot help but respect the or the organization and what it does. And me being a Pirates fan too, makes it even harder to see that, that model and consistency and then see what happens in baseball. But the key caveat to that is you have a salary cap. So you're able to actually utilize it and be smart about your decisions as opposed to baseball. I, I want to throw that out there real quick. Cause pe- I think sometimes Pittsburgh fans don't necessarily think about that aspect of it when they kind of compare apples to oranges, when it comes to the pirates and the Steelers.
2: Yeah. in baseball money wins. That's, that's proven year in and year out and it'll continue to be unless they decide to establish a cap, which they probably never will.
1: Yeah. Well, let's put this way money. You can win without money, but you have to be perfect. And You've got to be willing to take nice risks too, like Tampa has in the past too. That is true. You're not, yeah. It it can't happen. You can't win without big money, but it's it's not easy to do. Um, but like you know, one thing you can't win with in the, without in the NFL though is 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 an elite quarterback. Uh, and I don't think Ben is any longer an elite quarterback, buddy. And I hate to I hate to kind of bring it kind of on a downturn there. Let me get your picture this weekend before we get out of here.
2: So, you talking about playoff picks?
1: I'm talking playoff picks, yeah. What do you think, man?
2: Well, I'd say it'd be fun to pick the Browns over the Chiefs, but in all reality, I just can't see that happening. Although, with 2020 being as hellacious of a year as it was, mm-hmm. un- unbelievably odd, if, if Cleveland beat Kansas City, would anybody really be shocked just as, as nutty as it's been? No. I mean, Chiefs, let's put this way. It wouldn't surprise I, me. I
1: think – I think the Browns are covering. I can see it. It's a 10-pointer. I can see that. Yeah. I think the Browns are covering. I think the formula for how they can beat the Chiefs is how you beat the Chiefs, and they're good at that. Um, and if Baker doesn't turn over the football, I mean, we saw the Chiefs down the stretch, Zach, have some tight games from some teams that weren't exactly that great, right? They can always turn it on. But, you know, I'm not sure I always want to turn it on off of being off of rust and everything like that, and it's not like these these Browns are the Texans. Mm-hmm. They're not just going to fling it around. They're going to run the football. I mean, look what they almost went into a what a four-minute offense, clock grinding offense when you were up 28th and nothing in the second quarter. Now, granted, I don't blame them, but um, you know, it's that's how the Browns are going to try and win a football game. If they, if 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 there's any rust at all, I could see it. Um, so I'm I'm with you on that, man. I like I kind of almost like Cleveland in certain respects to be able to pull it off if if they catch a couple breaks, really.
2: Well, the criticism amongst so many people of the Chiefs, like you said, near the end of the season, is that they were allowing teams that shouldn't even be able to sniff them stay around, hang around in the game, and then the Chiefs will turn it on at the end. It reminds me of a team in the NBA who's used to winning, kind of like the Golden State Warriors were. And near the end of the season, they're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. We'll save it for the playoffs. And NFL, NBA, not the same league, not the same sport, but that kind of seemed like what the Chiefs were doing. Like, they weren't as invested. They just won the Super Bowl last year. They had been mm-hmm. tearing through the league all season. only team that beat them, I believe, was the Raiders until the last week of the season. But they just kind of seemed like they were on cruise control. Now that it's the playoffs, yeah. I don't see that happen. They're going to be locked in, going for their second consecutive Super Bowl win. I, I think they'll take care of Cleveland. But I can definitely see Cleveland covering. I like that.
1: Yeah. I think in the end it, it, it does come down to how good of a job does um does Cleveland or, or excuse me, does Kansas City do it stopping the Cleveland run and, and being able to have Patrick Mahomes in that offense on the field. Because if they don't, that's when they mm-hmm. get in trouble. Uh and and that's when it can kind of change on them. Um, Zach, you know, I guess we'll talk the other AFC one and kinda of, we'll go keep rapid fire here on these things like we just did. I'm super excited for Saturday night, the Bills and the Ravens. I think that's the game um, – I mean, I think that's the game for Saturday. Probably the best of the Ford general. But, man, I can't wait for it. I think if it's snowing, Lamar in the snow going against this Buffalo team, a team of destiny, it almost sets up to be too perfect, right?
2: I, I'm really excited about that game too. I, it's hard to jump off the Josh Allen train at this point. I really don't see them slowing down. And one thing that's telling to me, and obviously – one week doesn't decide how a team's going to look moving forward. The Ravens have been as hot as anybody offensively, particularly running the ball. But the fact they only hung 20 on the Titans, whose defense has been atrocious mm-hmm. for most of
0: the year, that's mm-hmm. a little
2: telling to me. I'm not saying the Bills have a great defense by any means. They're about middle of the pack this season, but I don't know. I'm, I'm not really sure because if, if the Bills get out early and build a lead, what what's Baltimore going to do? They've got to get out of their game plan. And you've seen that happen before. It's yep. not good for them.
1: Especially if it's windy and snow and you got to have Lamar throw yep. in the football and it's not too many more times. Um, that, that could be an mm-hmm. issue and that could be a big issue. Uh, I mean, cause Lamar has the ability to, to kind of change the game with his feet a couple of times. Now here's the thing too. I think this game might go one or two really go one of two ways. Either Buffalo blows out the uh, the Ravens or we have an absolute shootout because the, the Buffalo Bills are going to score points on offense. I don't think there's any question about that. The Ravens' defense gives up big plays, um, but they're not able to stop Lamar in that run game, so both teams are just putting up points on the board and the team with the ball last wins. That's how the Ravens win this game, I think.
2: Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. I I really don't know what to expect, but I have a feeling it's going to be one of the best games of the weekend.
1: Yeah, I, I think in the end I will take Buffalo because I really like them at home at night. Um, I just think they're more explosive, and I think they're just a little bit better. But, man, it wouldn't shock me at all to see the Ravens win that game.
2: It wouldn't, but I'm with you. I, I, I'm i taking Buffalo. I actually had a guy at work, uh, my old manager, came up to me and asked who I liked in that game. And I told him Buffalo was was my pick, and he he was relieved to hear that because he had put eighty bucks on him in a little friend pool. So <laughs> hopefully, it works out for him. <laughs> hey,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, it's two and a half too, so it's not like you're pretty much just picking yep. them to win. Uh, that's you know, which is always good. Um, the, the I mean, the other two games, the game the game at Lambeau, uh, before that on Saturday, in my opinion, it's a good game, but but with with the, with with the with the way it's been going. Or, you know, Aaron Goff with that thumb injury. And then the Packers have just been so complimentary. Their defense has been solid. They can run the football. Aaron Rodgers can make all the throws. If Jared Goff has any issues with that thumb, and he's going to to some extent, and Aaron Donald being banged up, this just feels like a game that the Packers take care of business. And we just kind of – it's kind of an appetizer for the main event there on Saturday night.
2: I feel that way also. I love the Packers, honestly, since last year. They weren't nearly as as strong of a unit as they are this year, but they, I don't know. They just have a really good makeup on their team, and they've gotten continuity amongst their guys on both sides of the ball. I I love them. I yeah. I honestly like them to win the whole thing, but yeah. I, I think
1: that'll be a pretty easy I, one for them. I, I mean, I think the two teams that win on Saturday, the way we just said it, are the two teams playing in the Super Bowl. I'll I'll, I'll say that now. I'm sticking with that pick. Um yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think Aaron Jones rips a couple big runs. I think Rodgers is Rodgers. I hope it snows for both of those games Saturday. It's got a, now a 50% chance of getting snow at Lambeau. I mean, Man, it would be pack. fun. I see the Pack winning that thing. Like, yeah, Pack pack big. I'm thinking like 28-10 yeah. type of game potentially. Uh, I think the Rams are really going to struggle to score on offense, um, even though they did score last week in Seattle. Um, so, you know, maybe maybe I'm giving, you know, kind of not giving that offense enough credit, but I just think they'll stop the run the Packers defense was a little bit better than what we saw of the Seahawks. And and that game exploded with turnovers real quick and then kind of got out of hand. Um, and then the the final game Sunday night, a six, you know, 40 kick there between the games that we've talked about that should be on the history <laughs> channel. You know, the Caliendo impersonation of Morgan Freeman was spot on. I mean, the quarterbacks are combined what 85 years Thanks. old um, Tom, Tom and Drew, the Bucks travel to New Orleans to face the Saints. Man, what do you what are you thinking there? I'm I am. I mean, it the two the two games on Sunday are better in totality than the game Saturday night, and and this game is a great way to finish off the entire weekend for
2: sure. Yeah, I uh, you're right. The History Channel comment that's that's pretty spot on. Um, I yeah. My biggest thing that I'm coming back to on this one, the Saints have gotten both. In that division against Tampa Bay this season, people say it's hard to be a team three times. I would tend to agree with that, but it's even harder to beat Tom Brady three times in a season. I'd be hard, pre- I'd be hard That's pressed right. to not take the Bucs right. on this one for that reason alone. I don't see them in a third time to New Orleans this season. Yeah,
1: man, you know what else too in on that one? Mm. You're getting points as well. The Saints are so good, though. The Saints have lost in heartbreaking fashion so often. It's it's tough to. I mean that it's it's like that's like the ultimate like everyone yeah. has something to lose game right I mean it's I yeah, mean that's and and it it leads right into a Royal Rumble so it's that's perfect right I mean it's it's kind of the Royal Rumble style these are some of the last guys in the these are the last guys standing and uh, by the time that that game's over there will only be four so I mean heavyweight heavyweight matchups on in that night game for sure uh, the game and then the, you know obviously Chiefs Browns gonna be fun and Saturday nights going to be electric i mean i think there's gonna be more fans there in buffalo than even last week and man that was a crazy crowd they're gonna be lit uh, and i yeah, then oh absolutely we're gonna see some fun videos saturday afternoon uh of bill's mafia there's no, COVID question or no about COVID. they're going hard oh absolutely I'm, I'm gonna get buffalo wings for the bills on saturday night there's no question about it <laughs> yeah that's as hard as i'll go maybe i'll uh you know, maybe maybe kind of one of those – maybe I'll, like, have one of my dogs, like, break through a pillow-type pillow, <laughs> pillow type table or something like this. You know, you saw the kid, you know, getting broken through that table <laughs> in the nursery there. It was pretty cool. Um, but that's – I mean, that's as hard as we're going here. Oh, yeah. I'm girls.
2: looking forward to it. It should be a fun weekend of football. And without West Virginia – without West Virginia basketball, yeah. hey, let's I'm, keep... I'm in need of some good sports.
1: I'm with you. I'm with you too, Zach. My brother was always good, and we'll uh, we'll get after it. We'll get after it here. Uh you know, we won't have another basketball game, so we'll probably, maybe, maybe come back and talk a little bit about the uh, about the playoffs next week and kind of preview uh, Kansas State and Texas Tech. But until next you time, you guys take it easy.